Would you turn please to Galatians, the third chapter this evening. We've been ministering for the past, I guess, three weeks on the subject of being redeemed from the curse. And we're happy about it. And we're glad about it. And so let's read our text and go further into this tonight. A lot of things that uh, I'd like for us to get to. Galatians 3.13, are you there? It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That, you know, even in the King James here, on a tree doesn't end with a period. It's a colon there, isn't it? So it's a pause. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the way he did it was by being made a curse in our stead. Because it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And he was hung on the tree. And he became a curse for us there. That, verse 14, that. In other words, he did that in order that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. Now, this is not something the Lord said he's going to do. Didn't say the Lord's in the process of doing this. What does it say? Christ hath. What does that mean? Already has. Right? He has already redeemed us, bought us back from under the curse of the law. That's shouting ground. But that's not the end. Why did he do that? Not just so that we wouldn't be cursed. But in order that, the blessing. No curse, just the blessing. Right? We've been redeemed from the curse. So that we could have the blessing. And it's got nothing to do with us earning or deserving or meriting it. Right? It's by faith in Jesus. He didn't deserve to be cursed. He did not deserve to be made a curse. Did he? He had not sinned. He had not missed it. But he was made a curse for who? For us. We did deserve to be cursed. We'd missed it. We'd sinned. We'd come short. And the wages of sin is death. And the curse is death manifest in the earth. We deserved to be cursed. We deserved to be punished. But Jesus, who did not deserve to be punished, was punished and cursed in our place. So that we who did not deserve the blessing could get the blessing. Right? And so, well, I, yeah, but you know, I've missed it so many ways and I just don't deserve the blessing. Well, Jesus didn't deserve the curse. But he took it. So even though you don't deserve the blessing, you can take it. <laughs> if you will. Best deal of the millennium. Right? What a deal. What a trade. He took your sin. He took the curse. So you could get the blessing. The blessing. Now, you and I need to believe this. 
And we need to receive it. And we need to decree it over ourselves. And we've been camping on this for the last uh, couple of weeks in particular. We must not let anybody convince us for any reason that we are cursed. Because if you believe you're cursed, and I don't care how you dress it up and how you form it, I don't care what kind of curse you call it, if you call it generational curse, or if you call it this kind of curse or that kind of curse, if you believe you're cursed, you don't believe you're blessed. Can't be both. Are you listening now? If you're blessed, you're not cursed. If you're cursed, that's not blessed. How many believe you're cursed at all with anything, with some kinds of curses? Huh? Are you redeemed from the curse of the law? Do you deserve to be punished? Yeah, but I've missed it in so many ways. We've been talking about that. Jesus didn't deserve to be cursed, but he took it. So even though we did deserve to be cursed, we don't get it. Right? And it's nothing we can brag about because we can't live good enough to earn the blessing. We can't be a good enough Christian or conscientious enough or committed enough or disciplined enough to earn the blessing. We just have to admit we did deserve the curse. We couldn't do enough to get the blessing. But the Lord loved us so much that he came and took our place and he hung on the cross and he became a curse. Didn't just identify with it or simply, he became a curse for us in our place. Oh, it was awful. We don't know the half of it. We can see the outside. We can see him being nailed to the tree, but you don't see the big part. The big part was what was happening on the inside and how he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had become sin with our sin and was cursed with the full brunt of the curse for the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. He didn't deserve that, but he took it. So even though you don't deserve the blessing, (laughs) you can have it. And even though you did deserve the curse, you say, "Uh uh-uh, I don't have to be cursed. Jesus took my curse. He took it. (laughs) Everybody said out loud, I am not cursed. I've been redeemed from the curse. So the blessing is mine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You should not agree with anybody for any reason. To any degree that you are cursed in any measure for any reason ever. You say, yeah, but I've missed it. Well, repent then. Ask God to forgive you and then stand up and believe you're clean. Right? And believe you are blessed. Blessed. Yeah, but now, Brother Keith, you just don't know what all I've done, and you don't know what my mama did, and you don't know what our history is. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood of Jesus is doesn't make any difference what happened. Nothing's more powerful than the blood to cleanse and to break. And it's not something that we have to work out. It's something that has already been done. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Has, has, has. He has, so we are. So I am. 
Redeemed and blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Now we said if you look up these words. Curse. What is the curse? Now we're going to you know, go back to Deuteronomy at 28 and Leviticus. And we're going to go into some detail before this is over with, I believe. But just the word curse, what is a curse? Well, a curse means that you're damned. Damned. And we went into some detail about why it is so popular to use the word damn in this society. Really what people are saying is cursed. They don't even know what they're saying. When it's damn this and damn that and they damn their toes and they damn their car and they damn the What are they really saying? I curse it. I curse it. I curse it. Well, curse means doomed, dedicated, assigned to destruction. And so, of course, the devil wants you and I to curse everything inside. Right? He wants us to call everything slated for destruction. Why? Because he is the destroyer. And you speak destruction over your stuff and you call it destined for destruction and you expect that and get in fear about that. Then you give the devil a legal right to come into your life and destroy. But just like the world curses, you and I are to bless. I mean, instead of going damn this or damn that, we are to go bless, (laughs) blessed car. I mean, your stove act up, don't kick it and curse it. Go bless stove. That's a blessed stove. It'll serve me as long as I need it. I don't care if your car is leaking at 12 different places and smoking and knocking and cutting up. If it's your car, that's your car. That's all you got, right? You better bless it and not curse it. I mean, God can do miracles. The children of Israel, they roamed out in the desert on the same pair of shoes for 40 years. They didn't wear out, right? So God can keep your car together as long as you need it. Hmm? Now go ahead and believe for you a new one too and a better one. Don't just expect to, you know, have the work in the miracles on that thing for the rest of your life. Get a vision, right? Sow a seed. Believe to step up. But yeah, I mean, speak over your stuff. Blessing. Blessing. Well, curse means damned, doomed, destined for destruction. What does bless mean? If we bless it, if we're blessed, if it's blessed, what does that mean? Blessed, among other things, it means uh, divine empowerment. It means favored, empowered Enabled, destined for success. Empowered to succeed or to be victorious. Glory to God. Well, you're blessed. What does that mean? I'm empowered. I'm enabled to succeed. I'm favored of God. Right? Favored and destined to win. I'm blessed. And yeah, I put my hand to it. I do what I need to do. But when I reach the end of my ability to succeed, I meet the power of God. There's something else working in my life that makes up the difference in what I lack. And so I will succeed every time. I'll win again and again and again and again until people shake their heads and go, it just ain't fair. (laughs) 
And I'll get more and I'll get better and I'll increase and I'll be spared again until people go, that don't seem fair to me. Why? Because I'm blessed. Because you're blessed. Blessed. And if it's the blessing, we ought not take the credit. We ought to give the credit to the blessor. The one who's blessed us. Right? Are you blessed? Is your stuff blessed? Your house and your grounds and your animals and your machines and your stuff. Right? Blessed. What does that mean? Favored and kept and enabled and empowered. Right? Destined to succeed. Glory to God. Everybody say, I'm blessed. blessed. All that pertains to me is blessed. blessed. Hallelujah. Well, go back with me to where we left off last week then. In Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, are you there? You believe God give you something good tonight? Help us out. Give us something good. Let's pray further before we read this. Father, we come into agreement together tonight and agree is asking for the perfect utterance for the remainder of the service. Give everybody eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart open to receive. Let there come answers to questions, direction and help for right now, solutions to problems and grace for right now. And we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise, and we'll not reject your word, and we'll not fail to do it, but by your grace we'll be doers of it. And we know as we do, you're faithful, and you'll watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, you know, prior to this, he had told them, That certain tribes were to stand on one mountain and pronounce the curses. And certain tribes were to stand on the other mountain and pronounce the blessings. And man, this is covenant. And it's about doing what God told you to do. And we read previous in Deuteronomy. He said, behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And we saw that it wasn't God that said, oh, this one's blessed and this one cursed. No, he said, I'm setting it before you. A blessing if you'll obey me. And a curse if you choose not to obey me. And so it is, uh, you know, the, the obedience or the disobedience, the faith or the unbelief of the individual that determines the blessing or the curse. And in Deuteronomy 28, he begins to get into the particulars and the details, specific examples of what he's saying will happen to you when you're blessed or what would happen to you when you're cursed. So let's begin to read again. We read last week how that, you know, if you would obey him, that the blessings, verse 2, would come on you and overtake you. Glory to God. You'd be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed in the fruit of your body and the ground and fruit of your cattle and blessed in your basket and blessed in your store and blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out and the Lord would command a blessing on you. Hallelujah. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. I say that's me. me. Right here. here. This is me. I am the blessed of the Lord. Now you couldn't, in this world full of fear and unbelief, you couldn't say this kind of thing too much. Don't just think it quietly. Driving along in your car, getting up looking out your window in your house, folding a towel or sweeping the floor or making the bed, it comes up in your heart, say it. 
Speak it out loud into your house. Speak it out loud. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. When I go out, I'm blessed. When I come back home, I'm blessed. My storage places are blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. You're going to build this into your consciousness. Why? So that you expect it. So that you fear nothing bad and you expect everything good. Now you hear so much negative stuff around you, you got to do something to combat this. Right? That's one reason we read our chapter every day. Right? Deuteronomy 28, blessed, 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 blessed. You ever gone through there and underlined everywhere it says blessed? You'll be blessed here. You'll be blessed when you do this. Blessed in that. This area of your life is blessed, 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 blessed. Are you seeing a continuing theme here? Are you getting something in your mind, in your heart? Will you agree with this? Will you start talking like this? Hmm? Now, it's easy to sit in here and nod tonight, but then you slip right back into tradition tomorrow. Hmm? It happens all the time. Now, listen to me while I'm saying this. People go, yeah, yeah, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. And somebody come by and, and say tomorrow, well, you know, how's your business doing? Well, it's been kind of slow the last few months. And, you know, so-and-so opened this up and that kind of hurt me. And so-and-so did this and it hadn't been working. Well. You're not saying this. What are you saying? So you're not talking this. Well, how's your kids doing? I tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do with that boy. I have prayed and I have talked till I'm blue in the face. And he's talked to everybody and their brothers prayed for him. I don't have mercy. Y'all pray. That's unbelief. So I say, well, that's how it is. Well, you're, you're walking by sight. You're just talking what you see. And what you've experienced, there's no faith in it. None. Faith calls those things that be not or look not or feel not. Right? As though they were. What do you say? I mean, it's most important when it looks like it's not. When it looks like it's the worst and getting worse, it's when you need to bite your lip and not talk what you see and feel and say, my kids are blessed. My kids are blessed. And they'll serve God and they'll obey God and do what they're supposed to do with their life. And somebody leans in and says, well, now come on, tell me how it really is. Say, I just did. (laughs) Hmm? Ah, don't give me that faith talk now. Tell me how it really is. That's unbelievers talking to you. Don't you do it. You can absolutely undo What you stayed up half the night and prayed in tongues about the night before. You can undo that by talking unbelief the next day. Now if that's a new thought to you, think about it. Don't throw it away. I'm telling you. I have no telling how many people have prayed a good prayer and got in faith and made it about a day and a half and got to seeing something and got to talking unbelief and absolutely undid their prayer with their unbelieving mouth. How many remember Malachi where he said, your words have been stout against me? You got to agree with God. So everything that comes up, what do you say? Well, my cows have been struggling. They just hadn't been, you know, fattening up and the cows hadn't been conceiving. I just don't know what to do. No, no, no. Look at the contradictions. And in spite of them say, I got one of the most blessed herds of cows in these Ozark Hills. I'm telling you, my cows are blessed when they come in and they're blessed when they go out. 
and I don't lose them and they fatten up quick and they're the healthiest, happiest bunch of cows in the county. Why? Because my cows are blessed. My cows are blessed. And you got to say it when it doesn't look like it. That's what faith is all about. Right? That's why I keep going over this now. It's what do you get in your mouth? All day and all night, no matter what's going on. Blessed. Blessed. Blessed in your basket. Blessed in your store. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed in your cattle and your kids and your basket and your store. When you come in, when you go out, blessed, 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 blessed. There is a word that should become one of your favorite words of all time. Blessed, 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 blessed. blessed. How y'all doing? (laughs) You ought to say it almost before you think. Right? You train yourself. And you don't say it as a religious byword. You release faith in it. Right? Blessed. Now what did you just get through say? I'm blessed means what? I am empowered to prosper. I am enabled and favored and destined to succeed. There's divine power working in my life to cause me to succeed. And prosper and increase. I'm blessed. Now let's keep reading. Verse 13, we stopped at, said the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and will not be beneath if you hearken to the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. How many know if you walk in sin and rebellion and disobedience, you will not be blessed? You can try to say you're blessed, but if you're going to buck against God and rebel against him and you know what's right and you refuse to do it and you just harden your heart and stiffen your neck and go on in rebellion, you're not going to be blessed. These are for people who have a heart towards God and willing to obey him and follow him. How many of those kind of people do we have in here? People that are willing to obey God. And if you see you're wrong, you'll change. And if you miss it, you'll repent. Right? And you'll humble yourself. Well, then you'll stay in the blessing. But he goes on to say, verse 15, but it'll come to pass if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses will come on you and overtake you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's exactly the same language he used in talking about the blessing. Do you do the right thing? Faith and obedience, you'll be blessed. You do the wrong thing, fear and unbelief and disobedience and rebellion, well, just as much as you'd have been blessed, that's how cursed you'll be. These things work. And the Word of God works just as effectively in that direction as in the other. When the Lord says you'll be cursed if you don't do this, how many know He has to watch over His Word to perform it? And so what word? The word of the curse. He cannot lie. He's not like so many parents. They say, now Julie, you do that one more time and I'm going to take your privileges away. So they do it another 12 times. I told you now. Now mama's serious this time. And she knows you're lying. She knows it ain't serious till you start screaming and calling her by her full name. That's not good. That's bad. How many of the Lord does not do that? He tells you, you do this and this bad thing's going to happen. 
Can you count on it just as much as you can count on any other word of God for blessing? Can you count on it? You better count on it. You know, people ought to be afraid to sin and not repent. That is something to be afraid of. But thank God, no matter how badly you miss it, you can repent. Right? And then be qualified for the blessing again. But here he's talking about people, hard-headed, stubborn, rebellious. If you refuse to obey, you say, no, no, I'm not doing it. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what they say. Nope, nope, I'm going to do it my way. Well, here's what you got to look forward to. (laughs) Verse 16, cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I'm going to understand, one of these is going to be working in your life. Either the curse or the, you're not just going to be able to drift through life in the neutral. You know, sometimes people try to say, well, are you ready to receive the Lord? Well, no, I just haven't made a decision what I'm going to do. I just want to kind of do my own thing for a while. Impossible. There ain't nobody on the planet doing their own thing. You're serving God. Are you serving sin, serving the enemy? There are people in delusion, in deception, but they're in bondage. And so you're either operating in going with God and the blessing, or you're going another way and just as blessed as you would have been going with God, that's how cursed you're going to be going the wrong way. And it works exactly the same in every area, cursed instead of blessed. Now notice verse 19, cursed shall you be when you come in. And cursed shall you be when you go out. Now let's just stop right here. This sounds religious to people and they just, it doesn't register. But how many understand people experience this all through Missouri today? Today. What does that mean? Just nothing's working. What does curse mean? Damned. Doomed. To destruction. What does that mean? You think it's going to work, and you work and work and work, and it falls apart. You put three months into trying to make the deal, and it blows up in your face, and it's just all down the tubes. You work on it, and you work on it, and you work on it, and it works for three miles and breaks. That's cursed. And that's not us. And if you're experiencing that, that's not normal and right for the child of God. There's something wrong. There need to be changes made. Right? Because you're supposed to virtually sail through life on the grace of God. Right? Oh, sure, there's going to be some challenges here and there. But his grace is more than enough. His grace is sufficient. You'll overcome by the anointing. You're graced and empowered to succeed. If God's for you, who can be against you? You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer, right? Why? How can you do all that? How can you stand up and say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me? How can you do that? Because you're anointed, you are blessed, empowered, graced. Different ways of saying the same thing, to succeed. Well, here he said, cursed, cursed. Now get this. Verse 20, the Lord shall send upon you cursing. Now, this is what I wanted to get to tonight. Here are these words. 
The Lord will send on you cursing, vexation, rebuke. Skip down to verse 21. The Lord will make the pestilence cleave to you. Verse 22. The Lord will smite you with the consumption. Skip down to verse uh, 27. The Lord will smite you with the botch of Egypt. Verse 28. The Lord will smite you with madness and blindness. Verse 35. The Lord will smite you in the knees and the legs and a sore botch that you cannot be healed. Now, the language goes on. And I could take you to 20 or 30 places in the Bible where it says the same kind of thing. The Lord will strike. The Lord will smite. And because of these scriptures like these, some people try to take this and say, well, see, the Lord is making people sick. Hmm? Well, the Lord, they said right there, the Lord struck them with disease. Well, now, even if you believed that the Lord strikes people with disease, even if you believed that, which I don't, and we're going to tell you why before this is over with. Even if you believe that, though, even if you said, well, no, I just can't see it any other way, Brother Keith. I mean, God smites people with disease. Even if you believe that, you ought to ask the question, well, okay, even if you believe that, who gets what? Huh? Okay, even if you say, yeah, God smites people with disease, according to this, not everybody gets smitten. Huh? We just read in the first part that God will command the blessing on you. And every one of these areas that talks about being cursed, he said you'd be blessed. So who gets what? Is it just indiscriminate? Just depends on how God's feeling that morning? He just kind of closes his eyes. Kind of like pin the tail on the donkey. It's like curse, <laughs> blessing, curse. Blessing, you know, there's some randomness in the universe. Even if you believed that God personally strikes and smites people with sickness and disease and poverty and destruction, if you believe that, you must look at the passage and look at the whole thing and go, okay, well, who gets what? Because according to this, all you got to do is obey Even this passage right here, this is not for the obedient, this is not for the believers, this is for the rebellious and the disobedient. So even if you believe God made people sick, all you got to do is be obedient and believing and uh, you miss all that. Hmm? Think about it now. Because if God is cursing people with poverty and disease because they obey him, I'd be confused. Hmm? We talked about this before now. There is no way a blessing becomes a curse or a curse becomes a blessing. There ain't no such thing as a curse that is a blessing in disguise. People use that kind of foolish language, but it's not true. And if God is cursing us for serving him and obeying him, that's very confusing. And it certainly doesn't motivate you. 
to please God because he just liable to pour extra curses on you. And we spent some time a couple of weeks ago on that, that there are people that are preaching different versions of that, that if you really step out and obey God all the way, oh, look out. Boy, you're going to get it. And people actually believing to be more cursed and have more problems because they're stepping out obeying God. That's ignorant and it's unbiblical. The more you obey and the more you follow God, the more blessed you are. And the more protected you are and the more graced you are. Don't get confused. Don't believe these confused people. So even if you believed, you say, well, that's what it says. It said God smote them with the botch of Egypt. And so that's what happened. God smites people sometimes. Well, even if that's what you believed, you must ask the question, who Gets what? And if you'll just obey and believe God, then you get to skip all this because verse 15 starts it out. This is for people who will not obey. But let's go back to other scripture and see some things I believe will help you with this. Go to the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter. There are numerous verses of scripture in the Bible. Where bad things are attributed personally to God. Where it says God did this or God did that. And it's obvious it's not a blessing. It's a curse. But look at this. I believe it will bring enlightenment as to how we should understand this. We know it's true. We know the Bible's right. We know that. But the issue is do we understand it or not? Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, this is the, uh, the day and the night before the Lord is bringing the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. And he told them to take a lamb without blemish, sacrifice it, put the blood on the doorpost, the entryway to the house. And he, he said in verse 11, and thus shall you eat it. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, Exodus twelve eleven, your staff in your hand, you eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass, who? I, the Lord's talking, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Now, did you get that word? It's very significant. The Lord said he was going to go through and smite all the firstborn. Now, this is not a blessing. Hmm? Ain't no way this is not a blessing. This is a curse. This is destruction. And what's it for? It's judgment because of what? I mean, Pharaoh sitting on the throne and said, I don't know who God is and I will not let his people go. Rebellion, hard-hearted and headed, right? Well, we've already seen that. Uh, the rebellious have a hard life. The way of transgressors is hard, cursed. He said, I am going to go through, I am going to do it, and I'm going to smite all the firstborn. Then he says it what? I'm going to execute 
judgment. Now skip down a few verses and read this. In verse uh, 22. You'll take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin. And strike the lintel and two side post with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Let you stop right here. Stop right here. Again, even if you said, well, no, the Lord is the one smiting and destroying. Did everybody get smitten that night? No. Was there a difference between the people of God and the unbelievers? Was there protection under the blood of the Lamb? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying now? Even if you said you believe that God smites and destroys, who? Who gets what? No, it's not indiscriminate. It's not for everybody and it's not for the people of God. But read this, verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over you and will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your houses to smite you. Let's see, just a few verses before, the Lord said, I'm going to do it. But now we see who's actually doing it. Right? Not the Lord. The destroyer. Is the Lord the destroyer? No, he's not. But he executed judgment that allowed the destroyer access. But the Bible language, particularly in King James, it just says it that he did it. He did it in the sense that he passed judgment that allowed the destroyer to do it. If you look up the original word, you find there are permissive senses of these words. And it sounds causative to us, but it's permissive. Now, I'm going to give you quite a bit more than this, but are you with me so far now? The Lord said, I'm going to do it. But then in the same chapter, what does he say? I'm going to do it, but if I see the blood, if I see the blood, I won't allow the destroyer, who's the one actually doing the stealing and killing and destroying, I won't let him come into your place when I see the blood. Well... We're not just under the blood of a lamb, a physical lamb. We're under the blood of the spotless lamb of God under the new and better covenant. Should we expect to be smitten and destroyed? No, 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 no. Now, we could show you other places like this, but do you understand the concept right now? The Lord said, I'll do it. The Lord will smite you with the botch. And the Lord will strike you with this. What's actually happening according to this language? The destroyer is being allowed to do it. The Lord is passing judgment that allows the destroyer access. I'm going to say that phrase again if you want to write it down. God passes judgment. Which allows the destroyer access. And scripture language words it that God did it. But you have to look at all the passages to see exactly how it happened. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. Nothing happens 
except he does it or allows it. But now when you say that, people take it further. We've already talked about this and they say, yeah, yeah, that's what I believe. And I just believe that everything happens for a reason. And they try to act wise when they say it. What they're trying to say is that everything that happens is the will of God. And that is not true. Let me give you another statement behind this one. God passes judgment, which allows the destroyer access. The next phrase is, this never pleases him. This does not please God. He actually does it unwillingly. That's a big statement, Brother Keith. I'm just about to give you scripture that says that. God passes judgment that allows the destroyer access, but this does not please him. He doesn't want to do it. Ready for some more scripture? Go to Nehemiah. I've got many scriptures here, but we don't necessarily want to take all night. Do you? (laughs) That was a little weak. Yeah. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah. (laughs) Not convinced. Nehemiah. Can you find Nehemiah? Nehi. Maya. Ninth chapter. Nehemiah 9. I'd like for you to find this now. Keep turning until you find it. You will see, you will hear how this works in the earth and particularly with God's people. Nehemiah 9. And we'll look over about verse 25 or so. Well, back up to verse uh, 20. It'd do you good to read this whole chapter. It really, you get more of it when you read more of it. But verse 20, you gave them, Nehemiah 9.20, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. And you withheld not your manna from their mouth and you gave them water for their thirst. Forty years did you sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Someone said, that's me. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. So we just got through talking about that, didn't we? Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and you did divide them into corners so they possessed the land of Sihon, land of the king of Heshbon, land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children multiplied as the stars of heaven. You brought them into the land concerning which you promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. Is that blessed? Can you see the blessing on their life? Man, they're multiplying and they're increasing and nobody can defeat them and everything they do increases. They're empowered, anointed to prosper and succeed. They're blessed. So the children went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and you gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land as they might do with them and as they would. 
And they took the strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged and vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. And they ate and they were filled and they became fat and they delighted themselves in your great goodness. What is that? That's blessing. Blessed. Blessed. Verse 26. Nevertheless, they were what? disobedient and they rebelled against you and they cast your law behind their backs and they killed your prophets which testified against them to turn them to you and they wrought great provocations therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them and in the time of their trouble when they cried to you, you heard them from heaven and according to your manifold mercies you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore you did what? You left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. And yet when they returned and cried to you, you heard them from heaven. And many times did you deliver them according to your mercies. Do you see what's going on here? They obey God and what? Blessed, blessed, blessed. Increase, prosperity, victory, freedom. And then get haughty, hard-headed, self-centered, disobedient, Rebellious, and how many understand that the word is just as true about the curses coming on you when you disobey as the blessings come on you when you obey? Both of them have to come to pass. Right? So how is it accomplished though? Well, when a man's ways please the Lord, what does the scripture say? He makes even his enemies. To be at peace with him. The enemy is here. Destruction is in the earth. People are being destroyed every day. And when you and I sail through day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year and we're spared and protected. And we just keep getting more blessed and stronger. It's because of the keeping and the blessing of God. For us to be destroyed, God doesn't have to come personally to destroy us. The destruction is here. It's going on. Right? All he's got to do is just leave us to our enemies. And the devil will do it. Oh, he'd destroy you right now if he could. But as long as you're walking with God, he can't touch you. He wants to, but he can't. He's got to get judgment against you. So there's a lot of things here. How many remember in Revelation it talks about the devil was cast down. Thank God he soon will be completely removed. But he was called, it said, who or which accused them before their God night and day. Now that hadn't meant enough to us. We've thought, well, that sorry rascal talking bad about me to God. No, it's much more than that. This is not just conversation. He is trying to build a case against you. Are you with me? So he can get a judgment against you. 
so he can get to you. He's trying and the most, and I use this word advisedly, the most damning or cursing thing that he has to use is your testimony. We know that in the courts of our land. I don't care what kind of attorneys you got. You get up on the stand and say, yeah, I did it. I'm guilty of sin. You're done. Right? You're done. And so he's always, you see, people don't realize it. But Jesus is called the apostle of our what? Our confession. He is called our mediator. He ever lives to do what? That doesn't mean he's kneeling, praying in the spirit for you. No. Intercessor, intercessory is a legal term. He's our representation at the throne. He's our counsel for defense. He's the one who represents us. And he's never lost a case. Never, not one. He's never lost a case. But there's been a lot of his clients who quit him. You get in trouble. You fail. You sin. Something bad's going on in your life. Your advocate is always right there. And I don't care if you're tied up in handcuffs and leg irons and in the deepest, darkest dungeon, he'll show up. They'll let him in. He'll go, hey, don't worry about this. Now, here's the manuscript. I want you to study this. And this is all you say. I don't care what comes up or what you're asked or what you feel. This is all you say. Well, Lord, what if they say something about me being sick? You say, by his stripes, I'm healed. And that's all you say. What if they say something about my sin? You say, I'm innocent by the blood. That's all you say. That's it. Now, you got it now. That's all you say. Study this. And this is all you say. Because what? He is the apostle of our, of what we say. And people don't realize it, but every day, the enemy's following you around with his little tape recorder and his video cam. He's trying to build a case. And he's trying to get you to say things that he can use and believe things that he can use. And we're on the stand, so to speak, every day in our life. And people take the stand. In life every day. And the devil comes and says. You sorry rascal. You miserable excuse of a Christian. You know ain't no way God going to heal you. What you've done. The way you've acted. And then he has tapes he wants to show you. (laughs) Of things you said. And things you've done. And he wants to play them for the court. And if you're dumb. You'll just watch them. And relive every dumb thing you said and every stupid thing you did. You go, and he'll turn it off and he'll go. Now, is that anybody that deserves a blessing? 
Here, watch it again. And he tries to work his case. He starts trying to put the pressure on you. You don't deserve to be blessed. There's no reason you should wonder why these bad things are happening to you. You deserve it. You failed. And when you told God you were going to do this, you didn't do it. Five years, you never did it. And he told you to quit doing this. You ain't quit doing it yet. And he wants to pressure you and pressure you and thoughts and feelings of heaviness and lousiness and unworthiness. And he wants you to break on the stand. He wants you to break and fall across the bench and go, oh, God, oh, God, I know it. I know it. I don't. I don't deserve a thing. I don't deserve nothing. I got, I bet I got twice what I got in destruction. It wouldn't be enough for me. I'm a sorry, low down rascal. I know it. And the devil says, I rest my case. Guilty. He's guilty. And you're done. You're done. He's always trying to build a case. Why? He can't touch you. Unless he can get judgment against you. I know this may be a new thought to some people. But don't just take it because I said it. Get in the Bible. Study this. Look at it close. In fact Job. Remember Job? You see a behind the scenes. Operation of this. Don't you see this in the book of Job? The devil is coming. What's he trying to do? He's trying to build a case against Job. He hadn't been able to do it for a long, long time. He wanted to hurt Job. He wanted to get to him. And he couldn't do it. He, and he kept on pushing. Said, but I tell you what. He will curse you to your face. He don't really love you. He don't really believe in you. I mean, if he didn't have all this stuff, if he wasn't so blessed, he would curse you. He would deny you. And he keeps on trying. And he found things to build a case. He found things to cause a judgment. And listen to this. This is interesting. Go to the book of Job. Job 9. See, Job, he didn't know who his problem was. He didn't know about the devil. And he wasn't redeemed. He was not born again. He was not blood-bought. But he spoke by revelation in this ninth chapter Look at this. This will make you shout when you see what it means. Job chapter 9. Job is hurting. He's in a bad way. Judgment has been executed against him. The destroyer has found access to him. And that's all he was waiting on. He destroyed him right and left. And in the ninth chapter of Job. Job began to talk, and down about verse 30 or so, 32, Job 9, 32, he said, God is not a man as I am, that I should answer him. See, all Job talked about was God. He didn't know about the devil. So that's all he's talking about is God. God, why are you doing this to me? Later, he had to repent for it. He accused God of being unfair. And he said, God is not a man like me that I should answer him and we should come together in what? In judgment and neither is there any what? 
daysman, or other translations will say mediator, what? Between us that might lay his hand on us both. See, he's speaking by revelation. He said, man, I need some counsel. I need a mediator. And he did. I need somebody between me and God to plead my case and help me out in this deal. I need a daysman, somebody that could lay his hand on God and lay his hand on me and be in between. You can't say that. I said, you can't say that because you have a mediator. You have the daysman betwixt you and God. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He's there where he ever lives to make intercession. And that doesn't just mean pray. That means to plead our case, intercede. He's in between us. Oh, glory to God. Pleading our case. Pleading our case. Skip over to Job 16. You'll see it came up in him again. You know, there's so much ignorance about the book of Job. Lord, teach us more about it, please. Job 16. Look at this. 16. This is further. He is beside himself with vexation. And he's hurting in so many ways. And in verse 21, Job 16, 21, he cries out. This is revelation. He says, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor or for his friend, other translations say. He said, I I need somebody to plead my case. We've got somebody. I said, we have somebody. But, but. Like I said before, I don't care. You can have the best attorney for your defense in the universe. And if you won't work with him, if you won't cooperate with him, if you undermine his work, how many know with the best attorney there is, you can still hang yourself? Certainly you can. I don't care how good your attorney is. You take the stand and confess to the crime, you're done. Let's go back now. You're in the cell. You've messed up. You've blown it. The curse is working in your life. How many believe Jesus is always there to help you? He ever lives to make intercession for you. He comes and he reminds you of the transcript. He said, all right, now I got this. Remember, I've never lost a case. I got this. But you've got to stay with me. This is all you say. All you say. I don't care what they bring up. I don't care what kind of evidence they try to show. I don't care what they accuse you of. You plead innocent because of the blood. That's all you do. So every day on the witness stand of life, the enemy try to bug you. He'll try to bring up all your mistakes and all your failures. And you just act like you don't even know what he's talking about. You go, I'm innocent. I'm innocent by the blood. Innocent? You are not. You know what you said. You know what you did. You know you don't deserve to be blessed and healed and prosper. Sorry, Ruska. No, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. What about what you did on so-and-so? You just look at them with a blank look like, 
What about what you did on the 13th of October 2003? You're like, I'm innocent. And he'll say, look at this. Exhibit A. And he'll go try to play the video and it'll be blank. (laughs) Washed by the blood. (laughs) He'll try to show the court exhibit B, but it's blank. It's blank. It's all blank. And you smile and go, I told you. I'm innocent. I'm blessed. I should be blessed. I'm innocent. (laughs) You are not. You are not. And he can only go so long that way. And there's nothing. He has nothing to back up his case. You won't give him any testimony. His evidence has been washed away. The head of the court will only let that go so long. And he'll go, enough. The accuser of your brethren is shut up. And your great mediator, the head of the church, steps up and says, Your Honor, my father, (laughs) you're feeling good about this already. (laughs) He said, The accused, your son, my brother, (laughs) has testified that he, she, is innocent of all charges. And deserves no punishment for any sin. And deserves no curse. I present for the court's consideration. Exhibit A. My blood. On the mercy seat. This blood speaks. And this blood says. Innocent. Innocent. They are innocent. Innocent. The father says the court has accepted that evidence long ago. He says, your honor, my father, the accused, your son, my brother, has testified that they deserve no cancer. They deserve no terminal illness. They should be healed and they are healed. I present for the court's consideration exhibit B. My stripes. (laughs) You're really smiling now because, you know, it's in the bag. It's just done. This is done. And I'm just giving you some, you know, some types of this because this is how you stay blessed. And how judgment is never afforded. And the devil does not get access. Now go with me to Lamentations 3, please. (laughs) Glory to God. Somebody said that sounds rigged. It is. And ain't a thing the devil can do about it. There ain't nothing he can do about it. And who is the one that can mess you up? Yourself. Yourself. You know where Lamentations is? It's in the Old Testament. Right? You know where Ezekiel is? Well, it's right before Ezekiel. It's right after Jeremiah. Lamentations 3, I told you something a few moments ago, and I told you I'd give you scripture for it, and so that's what I'm doing right now. 
Lamentations 3. I said to you that when it says God shall smite with this, God shall strike with this. It should be understood in the permissive sense in that God is passing judgment that allows the destroyer access. How many understand even a king, an earthly king, if he wants a ditch dug, does he have to go find a shovel? No, he's not getting off the throne and going digging the shovel. He makes a decree that it's done, right? And so God is not leaving the throne and going putting cancer in his kids or destroying their cars or sending a tornado and tearing up their house. If it's stealing and killing and destroying, Jesus told us who's doing it. Who? The thief, also in Revelation called Abaddon, Apollyon, the destroyer. Is that talking about God? Is God the destroyer? Is Jesus the destroyer? Is God a thief? Is he a killer? Certainly not. And to imply so is blasphemous. That's what blasphemy means. You're vilifying someone who does not deserve it. People who call God the destroyer and a thief and a killer, they are slandering his good name. God is good. He's the giver of life. He's the healer. He's the restorer. He's the provider. He's not against us. He's for us. We said God passes judgment that allows the destroyer access. And I said to you following that, it should be understood. This never pleases him. And this is never his perfect will. That he doesn't even want to do it. What do you want to do what? He doesn't even want to pass the judgment that allows the destroyer access. Now read this and I'll show you why I said that. Lamentations is actually lamenting over the destruction they were going through because of their rebellion and forsaking God. Lamenting sorrowful things they're saying about what's going on in their life. And look in Lamentations 3. And verse 22, well, yeah, you know I'm moving already. Uh, verse 31 first, Lamentations three, thirty-one. Might help you to write down some of these. Somebody may ask you some questions tomorrow and you could help them when you know where to take them to the scripture. Lamentations 3 and 31 says, for the Lord will not cast off Forever. Verse 32. Are you reading with me? You got your eyes on the text? For though he cause grief. Yet will he have compassion. According to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly. Nor grieve the children of men. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. To subvert a man in his cause. The Lord approves not. Did you hear that 33rd verse? He does not willingly afflict. 
He doesn't will that these things happen. Let me read you another translation of this. He does not afflict willingly. The NIV says he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Do you believe that or not? Does it please God when judgment must be passed that allows the destroyer? Is it ever his will? Well, I mean, we've got scripture in the New Testament that God is not willing that any should perish. And it didn't just say perish in one area. It includes every area. In Ezekiel, he said more than once, he said, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies. Talking about from judgment and sin. He said it four or five times in there. He said, I have no pleasure in this. So I said, why did he do it then? Why does he do what? What's he talking about? He's talking about him passing judgment that allows the destroyer access. Why does he do it? He is the righteous judge of all the earth. How many understand, let's say the judge is your father and you're on the stand and you get up and you take the stand and say, I did it. I did it. I'm guilty. I did it. I deserve to be punished. And the judge looks at you and goes, oh, sit down. Y'all forget you heard that. No, he's innocent. What does that mean? Crooked judge. Right? Uh Uh-uh. God loves you. He loves me. We are the apple of his eye. But he's not going to pervert justice for you or me or anybody. He is known, the Bible says, by his righteous judgments. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar that you may be justified. God has never done anything unfair or unjust or not right, and He never will. And He won't, no matter how much He loves us, He won't pervert justice for us. And the New Testament says, if we will not judge ourselves, what happens? We're judged. Does it please God? Can you see here? It said He does not do it willingly. He didn't pass the judgment willingly. Why does He do it? He has to. He has to, but it does not please him. Now back up, uh, let me read the other one to you. That was the new living. The living said he does not enjoy afflicting or causing sorrow. He does not, he takes no pleasure in that. He's unwilling. Now back up in that 22nd verse and see the good news of this. Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's what? mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I don't care how badly you've blown it. If you will repent, if you will judge yourself, what will happen? Some of you act like you're not familiar with that. Go to 1 Corinthians, New Testament, 11. 1 Corinthians, 11. I know you've got a lot to chew on tonight, but that's all right. Y'all didn't come here first to say twinkle, twinkle, little star, did you? <laughs> We're serious about this, right? We won't know what the word says. Not what somebody thought. Right? First Corinthians 11. 
He describes people who are in division, people who are acting selfishly and self-centeredly. And verse 29, he said they are not, they're eating and drinking and unworthily drinking damnation. Now, so many times in the King James, when it says damnation, if you look in your margin, it says judgment. Judgment. Judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for verse 30, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They've died prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, what's the answer? We should not be judged. Man, if you miss it, don't try to hide it. The Bible said, you know, if you try to cover and hide your sin, you will not prosper. But if you confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy, Proverbs says. And the Bible said in 1 John 3, you know, if you've sinned, God knows all things. No need trying to run from him and hide it. I mean, the moment you miss it, the moment you mess up, you run to God. Why? Because you don't want to give the enemy an opportunity to build any kind of case against you or get you judged. Right? You run to him. And you confess and admit to him before you get dragged into court. (laughs) You confess and admit to him that you have sinned and you ask him to forgive you. And what the Bible say, he is faithful. And just to forgive us of all that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if you're forgiven and cleansed, what are you now? You're innocent. You've judged yourself. (laughs) Hallelujah. And if you do that, what did he say will not happen? Look at it. You will not be judged means you will not be judged guilty, which means you will not be punished with curses. You just go around saying, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I plead the blood. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I don't deserve any punishment. I don't deserve any curse. Why? I'm innocent. If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, now let's stop right there. Why would you be judged? Because you wouldn't judge yourself. I was telling Phyllis, the Lord was ministering to me this past weekend as I was waiting on the Lord about these services down in Florida. People think, you know, the worst disease is such a bad thing. The dead or the problem or the, how many, there is no disease that God can't heal. There is no condition that's too bad he can't fix. There is no debt he can't bring money to pay. There is nothing he can't fix. There is nothing that's too hard for him. But there is something that shuts the door on him. And that's if you become unteachable. If you become rebellious, if you become hard-headed and unteachable and unyielding, now you can't be healed. Now your need can't be met. And if you're in sin and you rebel and you cover it and you hide it and you won't repent and you won't come to him, you cannot persist that way indefinitely. You will be judged. You don't want to be judged. I don't want to be judged. What happens when you're judged? Judgment is passed from above. It allows the destroyer access to you. He's been wanting to get to you for a long time. 
He's been laying for you. He's been trying to hurt you. And if the gates are open and the protection is not there, then it's open season on you. Can you prevent that? How can you prevent it? Judge yourself. Call your sin, sin. Run to God. Repent. Receive your forgiveness. And repent doesn't just mean cry and feel bad because you got caught. Repent means to change. Turn. Change. Judgment's a serious thing. I don't think it's been talked enough about in some faith churches and charismatic churches. None of us have to be judged. Jesus took our place. But if you become hard-headed and won't judge yourself, you will be judged. And you don't want to be there. What did he say? Read it. When we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Now back up to 1 Corinthians, the uh, fifth chapter. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to judge myself. How about you? I like being healed. Do you? I enjoy being prosperous and being protected. I I'm used to it and I like it. I want it to continue. Right? So what should I do? If I mess up, judge myself. Right? And not later on. Now. Right? Don't mess around. Don't give the enemy an opportunity to build a case. Don't give him anything to work with. Didn't the scripture say give him what? No place. Don't give him any place. Any opportunity to build a case against you. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. It's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Fornication is sex between people that are not married. Such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So here's a man that's taken his father's wife. He is living with his stepmother. Having relations, sexual relations. And he said, verse 2, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that's done this deed might be taken away from you. Now, why would they be puffed up? See, they're preaching grace and ignoring judgment. Well, you know, the flesh don't really matter all that much. Everybody has weak times and everybody's missed it and love covers a multitude of sins. That's not all the Bible said. <laughs> he said, you ought to have seen about it that this be changed. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged, have what? Have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Now here's another thing. We have not understood a fraction of how much authority and power our leaders are supposed to walk in. Spiritually. He said you wouldn't do anything about this thing. But I already have. What'd you do Paul? He did this miles away from this place in prayer. What'd you do? Keep reading. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one to God for the destruction of the flesh. 
Because you know he's the one that destroys. Do you know why I say that? If God is the destroyer, why didn't it say let's turn him over to God? Why wouldn't you say it? Let's turn him over to God. God will get him. Turn that rascal over to God. God will get him. No, God has never been and never will be the thief and the murderer and the destroyer. No, no, no. You can't turn him over to God to be destroyed. Turned over to who? Satan. For the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. See, even this is love. And I said, boy, it don't sound like it. Oh, yeah. There's something worse than being judged in the flesh, and that's being lost. Oh, yeah. These people were defiant. He wanted to march in there with his stepmother as his new wife and sing in the choir and be on the board and nobody say nothing about it. So this is what's going on in this church. They're defiant about this. And everybody's going to have to accept it. He said, uh-uh. No, I've already judged about this. And this is what's going to happen. He's going to be turned over to Satan. Not God. Not God. Did y'all get that now? Yes, turned over to who? Satan. Satan. For what? Not destruction of his being, destruction of the flesh. Why? So his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Well, when you start getting judged, you quit being so haughty. Hmm? I mean, when you hit the bottom and you hit it hard, you lose your huffiness and puffiness. Did you hear me? And you're dying and you're failing. You get to getting serious about God. Right? And somebody like that who's hardened the heart against God and rebelled against God wouldn't judge themselves, wouldn't judge themselves, wouldn't judge themselves. Eventually, you will be judged. But even in judgment is the mercy of God. He's wanting you to get it right. So even if it costs you something in this life, you don't go into the next one with it. And even if it's on your deathbed or even if it's losing everything you got. You repent and get right with God. Did you hear me? And no, you didn't get God's best, but it sure does beat dying going to hell. Right? And see, because of some of these things, people knew that through some of these terrible things and through some of these tragedies and some of these bad things, people got to God and there were some good things came out of it. So they want to try to back up and say, well, then that was all of God. God ordained that that happened. So these people, oh, no, no, he does not willingly pass judgment. It's because people are so rebellious. It should have never happened. They should have lived a long, fruitful, healthy, strong, prosperous life. And with long life been satisfied. And shown, you know, God's salvation in their life. Can you see it? Glory to God. Stand on your feet, please. Blessed be God, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. He who has redeemed us 
from all the curse of the law. So the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. Said out loud, I am not cursed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Made a curse in my stead. In my place. So the blessing would come on me. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.